Which hopefully feels topical because um, I know most of you are, have probably been back or at the very least are thinking about getting back to composition in the near future. Um, for those of you who are here today, is anyone, has anyone been to a competition yet this year? Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. And now have you been back competing? Um, not yet. The pony's still a bit broken. Oh, the pony's still broken. Okay. But the plan is to, to head back. We will be. Itself. We will be heading back. today is again it's going to be some bits of review pulling from some things we've talked about before but specifically in the context of competition um, and we're going to essentially cover six things that we can consider um, to and these are all things that although they're going to help us with the competition they are best done um, or best accomplished by practicing them ahead of time in the same way that it's not a great idea to school a three six boxer or we go jump a three six course at a competition um it's not the best idea to try to throw together mental skills strategies at the last minute or when we're at the show and we're in to try and pull them together um on the fly in response to something going wrong so a fall or a mistake or, or forgetting something the dressage test so ideally if we can be thinking about these skills ahead of time um, the week before, a couple of weeks before, we can mentally prep so that when we get to the show, it's all readily available to us and we have a really good plan to follow. So I wanted to start out by getting you guys to think a little bit about what are you already doing at shows in terms of a routine. So just think about the routine that you go through at a show, the pattern of things that you typically go through from the start to the end. What's one thing or more? that you can identify that you're doing well, that's working really well for you. Feel free to just speak up and share or pop it in the chat. What's one thing in your routine that you're like, yeah, definitely keeping that, that's really helping me prepare or, or be successful. Um, for me, I think it's uh, when we go to an event before I've even done a dressage, I get there nice and early um, and I have everything ready. So cross country boots are ready, the ice is ready, the mm -hmm. water's ready. Everything's ready to literally put on after each phase and then I know it's kind of organised and if for whatever reason time runs short or whatever it may be, everything's organised. It's like one less thing to think about. So kind of planning ahead. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just to say one less thing to worry about and you can kind of focus on riding then. You don't need to worry, right, where are my ice boots, where's my cross-country martingale etc absolutely okay. and then when i get to the dressage the first thing i always get there 10 minutes early and just let him have a wander around on a loose rein and that's kind of when i visualize my test um mm. so it's not like i'm doing it as i'm trotting down there trying to remember what's going on i always get there a little bit early and then he can have mm -hmm. his head while i picture the test and then we get going okay okay cool so a few things there awesome um hannah or karen anything coming to mind that you feel like is in your routine that's really helping I'm just going to say I agree that getting there in plenty of time so that we're not panicking and um, just that that uh, should be prepared and then get a good um, you know, uh, warm up and just familiarise with the the different smells of different horses and, and just what's there. Uh, I just find that that calms them down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Extra time. 
extra time. Yeah. yeah. Giving yourself lots of time and the horse to settle in. Okay, great. And yeah. Hannah, you said you had a list of things? Oh, I have a list, like a list, a physical list. Oh, you made a list. I love a list. I'm, I'm a lister. <laughs> love it. Um, list great. <laughs> so, because I start, I, my actual nerves kick in three, four days before. Yeah. Um, so, writing a list kind of helps me prepare and do stuff so that I won't forget. I do a lot of what if, what if this happens and what if that happens. And I feel like mm-hmm. writing a list to cover all the what ifs is. It's really good for me. So I do lots of lists and I love it when I keep it off. I love keeping a list. Well. <laughs> There's nothing more satisfying <laughs> than checking off that list. Perfect. Okay, Fab. So think about the way that that makes you feel when you follow that strategy that you have in place and it works for you, right? You know that it pulls something in place. Um, think about how that feels. Does it feel, does it bring a sense of calm, a sense of reassurance? You know, just think about what that is for you. Um, next, I want you guys to think about what, if anything, is there something, is there some kind of a routine that's existing for you in your mind right now or in your pattern of behaviors that's not working for you? So what we've highlighted in our first question is that we all have routines and we all build patterns of behavior about how we tackle different challenges. It's just human nature. We build patterns around everything. Um, so there's, think about it. We're not used to sometimes thinking about things that aren't working for us in terms of routine that we're following. So to start to uncover that, just see if you can think about what's one thing that you notice maybe hasn't, um, something that's felt difficult or challenging or hasn't worked for you a few times at a show. Is there anything that comes to mind? Um, Thank you, my husband. <laughs> really Honestly, and yeah, I love him dearly. Yeah. Um, but... I think I get worried about him not being horsey, and and my horse doesn't. doesn't like I'm, sure she likes, I'm sure she likes him, but oh, I don't yeah. know if it's like an attention stuff. Um, but he's always been like my support. He's fantastic. He yeah, supports yeah. me with everything that I do. So I, like, I thought taking him along would be really good, but many times I've taken him, my horse she just behaves poorly. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm not taking him anymore. I'd rather go on my own. And when we go on my own, we kind of look after each other. You know what I mean? Sorry, that sounds awful. But it's something I've tried, and it just didn't didn't work. I think he's quite happy about not coming, because he can't say he enjoys it. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so something about having your husband there is change it's changing the vibe somehow and that's yeah. showing up in the way that your horse is behaving yeah okay yeah. probably makes me because all my horse does does but probably because i'm not concentrating on her enough um worried about you know um he's brilliant but like he was we were at a show um and because he's not horsey he stood up in the back of the truck like we've got oh. a pickup truck right i noticed scared other people but he didn't that wouldn't compute on him that's just 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 him on on not understanding how horses are so yeah it's things like that and me being you know protective so yeah that makes a lot of sense it sounds like part of your brain is always keeping tabs on him maybe yeah um and what we know about the brain is that it's actually very difficult for us to focus on more than one thing at a time 
So if part of your attention keeps focusing back on, is, what's he doing? Is he okay? Is he bothering anybody? Yeah. Then it's very likely that it's going to be very challenging to yeah, focus on what you need to do to actually get your horse calm and relaxed and, and going yeah. well. I would also hazard a guess that she's picking up, sorry, it's a mare. Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yes, definitely. That, that she's picking <laughs> up on that extra bit of tension that you have around worrying about him. Yeah. And that might be part of where that behavior is, part of where that behavior is coming from. Yeah. She's a worrier. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So that's a really great example. Thank you, Hannah. Um, Nat or Karen? Um, one thing that I didn't really realise I did until actually starting these workshops and I haven't had a chance to kind of put it into practice but yeah. I'd get really kind of hung up by when you're in the warm-up and there's that person that keeps cutting you up or is that horse that's being a twat. I used yeah. to get really hung up on that and concentrate on avoiding that and how much that's upsetting my horse that I just... It, I wouldn't be concentrating on my horse. So that is something that actually, since doing this, I realised I did, which I didn't really know I did before. But mm. um, I haven't had a chance to put into practice yet. But I definitely do get distracted by things that I can't really control. Okay. Yeah. And similarly, where our focus goes, the little rhyme that I always remember is where our focus goes, energy flows, right? So when we're focusing on the other horse, the other rider, again, there's a lack of focus and a lack of attention on our own horse. And then that extra tension can be there. Okay, really good example. I think we can all relate it to that one for sure. <laughs> Anything coming to mind for you, Karen? I'm guessing um, for me originally it was I could feel myself getting butterflies and, and getting tense and worked up even before I caught them in the field. Um, and it gradually got worse because I would be tense. Then would try and get him loaded and he would play up. It took me just to get loaded and then we'd get there and then we'd be running late and it kind of snowballed from there. But since doing this, I'm finding I'm a lot more relaxed. So I'm not getting the tension when I go to get him in the field. I try and think of different things or going to be stronger or whatever. And that has worked. He's now loading beautifully. So we're not running behind in time. We're getting there in plenty of time. And actually last thing we did, we didn't have any problems. That was, that was great. You've already helped me. <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah. So that's pretty cool. So it sounds like you've already noticed there an old an old pattern that existed that started to be interrupted now by some new yeah. processes and some new skills. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so the, the really valuable thing about the fact that we all form patterns is it's sort of like, oh, sorry, I interrupted. I got ahead of myself here. I forgot to tell you the plan, but um, as I said, the plan is six steps, and um, we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. So the really valuable thing about knowing that we all have, um, have patterns is that they're kind of like a crystal ball. When we begin to recognize and understand our own patterns of behaviors, our own habits, what that does is it enables us to sort of predict what we're going to do in the future. So if nothing changed, now you could probably predict that at the next show, you would get distracted by somebody in the warm-up ring. Would that be fair to say? If you took no action and made no attempt to change. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, Karen, if you hadn't made any attempt to change, you could, probably could have predicted that you would have felt those, that same sense of anxiety and tension at the show. 
Um, Hannah, similarly, you made no attempt to change and your husband kept coming and everything stayed the same. We would likely just keep seeing the same, the same pattern, the same results. And that can feel frustrating when we're stuck in a, um, a, a loop where we feel like things keep going wrong or things keep, are, keep being challenging again and again and again. But if we take a step back and realize that once we're aware of a pattern, we actually have an advantage, it kind of changes the scene a little bit. Because once we know what we're going to do, what that does is it gives us the opportunity to plan how we're going to interrupt that pattern. And that is a huge advantage. So the question is, what do you do? Getting awareness of what is it that you're already doing that's working and what's not working. And then challenging yourself to go, right, I know what's not working. I can predict with a certain degree of accuracy what I'm going to do here because I've done it so many times before. So knowing that, what can I do? How can I interrupt that pattern? So now you'd be asking yourself, right, what could I do differently to change my focus in the warm-up brain? What would I need to do in terms of mental preparation or what I said to myself? How would I remind myself to change focus if there was a really annoying horse and rider? There always seems to be one. Disney <laughs> maze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry, sorry, not. <laughs> I've got no spatial awareness. I'm riding. <laughs> Cutting everyone up. Walking on the outside. It yeah, is yeah, you. It is me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Exactly. So there's always somebody. And then Hannah, it might be interesting to ask yourself, what if your husband did keep coming? Just as a, as a mental exercise here. What if your husband did keep coming? Would there be some way that you could interrupt your pattern of reacting to your husband being there that would give you the opportunity to change your focus so that even if he was there, even if he was being like the most annoying horse husband ever, <laughs> getting in everybody's way and like just generally making a nuisance of himself, could you still control your focus and your energy and your reaction to the point where that didn't interrupt your ride? Because the reality is there, even if your husband doesn't come for all of us, there's always going to be something going on that's outside of our control that has the potential to impact on our mental focus at a competition. And we can, we can control an environment to an extent. We can ask our husband not to come. We could, you know, shout at everybody in the warm-up ring to look where they're going, please and thank you, and <laughs> whatever. But at the end of the day, we have very limited control over our environment. And so it's up to us to really take responsibility for how we're reacting to what's going on around us. So have a little think about that. Maybe jot down a few ideas quickly. Uh, before we move on, what are a couple of things that you guys could do um, that would further interrupt those, that unhelpful pattern that we've just identified? Could it, could it be something as simple as just saying, stop? Yeah. <laughs> like every it's time you realise you're doing it, you can go stop and it just kind of make you go, make you realise that you are doing it and then you can move on. Yeah. So I think that's a really good start, but I think you don't want to leave it up into the, up in the air as to how you move on. So okay. an undirected mind tends to fall back into old patterns. 
So what I mean by that is unless we specifically tell ourselves to focus on something different, it's likely we'll fall back into the pattern of focusing on what we're used to focusing on. I see. So it's something like bring it earlier into my routine. Yeah, or even just stop. Um, So I think that's a really good start. So given your scenario, if you said stop, and then you said to yourself, can't control the other riders, and then you said focus on riding for what you want. Okay. Or, or whatever made sense to you, right? We'll actually come back to that in a moment. Um, what that is, is, is a, a performance mantra, a performance statement, something that reminds you of what it is you want to be doing in that moment and focusing on. So yeah, so we'll circle back to that in a second. Okay, so it could be something, yeah. as before I get on, I could even say to myself, I can't control anyone else in this arena. And then when I get on, if it did yeah. happen, I could go, stop, I can't control them. Instead, I'm going to focus on my canter, my jump, whatever it may be. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. And think about, it's always interesting to note, even think about how that immediately feels different in your body. Think about sitting on your horse and worrying and stressing and noticing on the other rider and and reacting to that. And think about how that feels. And I almost get like a buzzy, a buzzy head. Like Like a bit frantic. Yeah. Stressed. Yeah. And then imagine telling yourself, stop. No, I can't control that. That's outside of my circle of influence. What can I control? I can control my horse's canter. I can control my pace. I can well, control my line. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, and by focusing in on that, we can everything kind of settles. And we can pull our focus back in and put our energy into what, what we can actually influence, what will actually influence our results. Yeah, actually, it's funny actually just thinking about it there, how I get wound up by everyone else cutting me up and doing whatever. And then just telling myself, just sat here, just stop, can't control them. I already feel a little bit calmer. Mm-hmm. Totally, hey. It's amazing. The And that's a really fantastic example of the power of how our words, the words that we're saying to ourselves, impact how we're feeling almost immediately. Um, so we're actually going to come back to that in a moment as well. Okay, good. So these are all really good thoughts, guys. And this is the real pattern. It's understanding how do we interrupt and challenge and change what we've always done. And it's just useful to think about, I think, in terms of this crystal ball. Um, Because as I said, we can get a little bit negative about our patterns. But if we go, actually, this is an advantage. I've done this six times. Six people will say to me, oh, my God, I do this at every show. And I go, brilliant. You do that at every show. (laughs) That's great. Now we know what to work on, right? So it's just about kind of shifting shifting the perspective. (laughs) Okay, so the next thing we need is what we call a competition mindset. So a competition mindset is not one thing. It's really a combination of of skills and and approaches. But really, when you boil it down to its essence, I think it's the ability to mentally flip anything around, to take anything that's happening to you and flip your, um, your perspective on it into something constructive. So I, and I know we've talked about this before, I hesitate to say something positive. Because at the end of the day, it's not always positive. If you fall off in the championship class, it's not positive. If your horse stops, it's not positive. You know, there's things, and so it can feel false to try and force yourself to make a positive out of that. However, I would challenge anyone to find a scenario, a competitive scenario that can't be turned into something constructive. It might still be difficult, it might still be challenging, but you can absolutely bet that there is something constructive to take from every single experience. And that, for me, is really the heart of a competition mindset. So there's a couple things that we need to think about here. 
we need to think about changing our perspective from things being permanent to things being temporary. So often, and this is just human nature, we tend to see things through a permanent lens. So if we fail at a show, we don't make, we don't get the result we want or we fall off or, or stops. We tend to see that as a permanent sort of failure. We say I've failed or me and my horse have failed. And we take this on as something um, that now defines something about us and says something about us. This, uh, and we see it sort of as something we often that we can't escape from or recover from. When we switch on our competition mindset, what that allows us to do is say, yeah, that happened, but it doesn't define me. It's one experience and I'm going to learn something. I'm going to take something constructive out of this. Maybe I've learned that I need to go home and do a bit more work um, at the water dump, right? Maybe I've learned that my position isn't secure enough um, at this height, whatever we've learned, right? Um, and so what it allows us to do is shift from going, I've failed, to saying, oh, okay, this went wrong. It's temporary. And if it's just something that's gone wrong, it's something that I can fix. So watch out in your own internal dialogue for, for that sense of permanence versus temporary and how we're viewing a situation. Because what happens is when we take things on as personal uh, permanent experiences, they become excuses for us in the future. We say, oh no, you know, I'm terrible at water jumps, so I can't, I'm not going to do uh, cross country jumping anymore. Or, oh yeah, no, the last show um, I fell off, so I'm, I, you know, I'm clearly not cut out to jump at that, at that height which is a very different perspective to saying, oh yeah, that didn't go well last time. So it's temporary setback. I'm going to take what's constructive out of that. I'm going to apply that learning to my training and I'm going to come back at this stronger and better the next time. And so the root of this is whether or not we're willing to engage with constructive thinking over negative thinking. So negative thinking is like a whirlpool. And all it takes is sort of one negative thought to start to suck us down and negative thoughts build and build and build and gain power on us. Um, similarly, though, constructive thinking kind of creates an upward spiral. One constructive thought is often enough to totally turn around our thinking pattern and get us thinking about more hopeful, more interesting and more curious uh, type thoughts. Okay. So I want everyone to think about how do they feel? How do you feel? when you're stuck in the grip of those negative thoughts. So it's easy to find that feeling because you just have to go back to a time where a show did not go according to plan. We all have those memories, right? And you did what most of us do and you jumped to um, being pretty mean to yourself about it. And we all do this. We've all done this. And just think about how you felt. Think about how that felt in your body. Think about how that made you feel about what to do next. So did it feel like we wanted to, to come back and do another show? Did it feel like we wanted to even rise the next day? Maybe, you know, did it feel like we wanted to keep competing? So it's amazing when you think about the impact of that negative thinking. It often puts a sense of heaviness. It increases that feeling of stress and anxiety in your body. It makes you feel unable to move forward. Now, I want everyone to take themselves from that place. Take a deep breath. <sighs> okay. And now think about that experience in terms of a constructive mindset. So what happened was temporary. It obviously didn't go well. Um, but what did you learn from that? How has that shaped where you are today? 
did that experience contribute to any particular growth or learning for you or your course? And now notice how you feel differently in your body right now. So what I feel is it's like I go from being heavy and kind of in my stomach to a sense of lightness. And all of a sudden, it's like my brain starts humming again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love riding. Oh, yeah, um, I love horses. Oh, yeah, that was really interesting. Ooh, what could I do to fix that? And it engages a different part. So any reflections on that? Anything you guys want to comment on about those two feelings or thought processes? Yeah, it's a little bit like the post I did a couple of weeks ago or last week, whenever it was, about at the moment when, in the moment when it goes wrong, literally feels like the end of the world like feel useless talk to yourself really horribly like giving up useless and ruining my horse um mm -hmm. in the moment it feels like horrendous but then usually on the drive back maybe by the time i've got back on the next day i'm like right actually you start to pick a pick apart the, the performance and you go actually that bit was really good he warmed up really well we did this but we just need to work on this so um <clears throat> But but for me, that could sometimes take a couple of weeks for me to get to the point of going, right, I need to just, it wasn't that bad. This is what we need to work on. And it it kind of depends if I'd had a few bad shows or a few bad rides in a row, it'd take me longer to kind of pull myself out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's just it, right? What if you could be there an hour later? What if you could save yourself those two weeks of, of suffering, really, right? Like, because there's really no other word for it. Like, we, we, there's a lot of suffering. And I know, because I've been there for weeks and sometimes months at a time, right? Where you're, like, you're, it's really difficult. <clears throat> and it was for everyone. You, my, my, my boyfriend used to say I was horrible to be around if my event went wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, Karen, I, I think, I think that, sorry. Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. I thought your audio was funny, but I can hear you fine. Um, I, I, I was thinking of my last test that I did because I felt it had gone really well. Um, I had got rid of the nerve. I was feeling relaxed. The horse was relaxed. And then we got a really crappy core and some not very constructive comments. Mm. And I went, oh, he did really well, I thought it was going well, and I thought, well, you know what, I'm happy. We've done better than, you know, he, he went well. All I did learn was that he understands what trot means, because I had a caller. And she said, and that a trot, and he just went, trot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, on the positive, he knows what trot means, if you try to hate it, um, I was really happy with his performance about, you know what, I don't really care, I was happy and it's all subjective at the end of the day, so um, yeah, I think sometimes we've just got to say I was happy with that and somebody else didn't think it was quite, quite as good as I thought it was, well, it's only the next time. And that's the thing with dressage where I think it's really hard because at the end of the day, um, it kind of comes down to what someone else sees doesn't it it could feel amazing and like you like you did you come out thinking it was a really good test and then someone else just gives you a bit of a crappy score and it doesn't really mean much to them but to you it if it, it it's a big it's a big thing isn't it yeah and i think that's 
and we are focusing on what we do want to have happen. So that might look like having a mental plan, a strategy for the warm-up, and a mental plan and a strategy for, um, let's say, for a show jump around, okay? Um, if we follow that offensive plan, we, we focus on that. We focus on what we're going to do. We focus on the type of warm-up we want. We want to be engaged. We want the horse to relax. We want to get good corners. Maybe we need to practice some transitions, whatever we need to do to, get, to have a good warm-up for ourselves and our horse. Um, that plan then and continuing that offensive perspective means focusing on what we do want to have happen in the show ring. How do we want that round to go? Where do we want to focus on? What, what do we need to improve? What type of positive result do we want? So this is something we actually need to practice because otherwise, if we don't intentionally practice it, our brain tends to default into a defensive mode. When we're riding for what we don't want or we're in defensive mode of competition, we're focusing on what we don't want to have happen. So we're focusing on the, the rider in the ring not running into us or not having <clears throat> a bad jump and embarrassing ourselves in the warm-up ring, not falling off of the water jump, not having a refusal, um, not having your horse spook in the corner from the crazy lady with the umbrella or the happy dog. So, and it's amazing how when we start paying attention to where our focus is going, how often we tend to fall into this defensive or um, tendency to ride for what we don't want. So I want everybody to just take a second here and jot down a few things for yourselves. What does riding offensively or what does having an offensive plan mean for you in terms of going to the show? What can you list um, that in turn doesn't that focuses on things that you have control over and is focusing on riding for what you do want to have happen? I often have people say to me um, something along the lines of, it's just so hard. It's just so hard to focus on those positive things. It's so difficult to, to not focus on those negative things. Um, and I agree, it is really challenging. But I heard someone explain it this way the other day, and it kind of made me laugh, so I thought I'd share it with you guys. <clears throat> she said something along the lines of, she was talking about a different sport, but I thought it still applied. She said, yeah. It is really hard to to control your focus, but do you know what's harder? Having a brain that's running riot <laughs> and causing you extreme stress and anxiety and negatively impacting your performance. <laughs> so that made me laugh out loud because I was like, yeah, that's 100% true. Yes. Um, and it was just an interesting perspective to bring to it because, yeah, absolutely it is hard, but the alternative, I think, is actually harder. And the fact is that we always have a choice about whether or not that we're going to attempt to control our focus, work on controlling our focus. So this is a choice that's in front of us. And it makes so much sense to engage with that, to put the effort in, even though it is hard, to really work for it, to fight for it even, um, because it makes all the difference. I've got an example of that is that I am... Um... I really struggled learning Novice 27, which I mm -hmm. went out and did on Sunday. And I kept telling myself as I was going, I can't remember this test. I keep going wrong. I haven't written it correctly yet. Um, I'm probably not going to go right in the test. First thing I said when I turned up when a friend was there, oh, I'm not going to go right. I can't, get, I can't get it in my head. And mm -hmm. um, I went wrong twice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was the first time I've ever really gone wrong. I'm, I'm quite dedicated into learning the test. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, so I, I, I talked myself into going wrong um, and got defensive instead of saying, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I've learned it. You know, I can do it. It'll be fine. But yeah, so definitely. Especially yeah. the example, hey? Yeah. Yes. And imagine if you'd spent all that time where you were thinking, oh, God, you know, this isn't going to go. If you instead you'd just been running that test in your mind or thinking about the parts where, you know, that need a bit of extra focus. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I've, I've done that before as well. Except for, I think I told everybody, I told everybody for like two days that my horse was terrified of dishes. Um, or of this particular ditch, I just have this memory, and then I literally fell off of the ditch. And I'm like, I think I made that happen. (laughs) (laughs) So these are the two things that I always try and remember. It's like focusing, ride for what you want. Think about about what you want to have happen instead of what you don't want to have happen. And then work from a plan. Have a plan, a plan that you feel good about, um, that you can then follow. There's nothing like having a plan to follow, like you said, Hannah, having a list, right, to check off when we're under pressure. Because the last thing we want to do is try to remember a bunch of stuff. And so if we have a plan that we thought about, planned out, that we feel good about, that can be such a, um, almost like a security blanket of a show. Because then we can just say, right, I just need to follow my plan. That's all I need to do. I just need to show up, follow my plan, have a bit of fun, call it of the day, right? So that was a really good example um, from, from Hannah there. So we've talked a lot about what's under our control and what's under our influence today, but it deserves its own slide because it's such a common aspect of what causes us to go wrong at shows. We all love to think about what's things and focus on things that are not under our control. So it's worth um, considering building this in as a performance statement. And we'll talk about those uh, just in a second here, but essentially we want to always be checking in with ourselves, especially when we notice that we're stressed and we're worrying about something, checking in and, and asking ourselves, hang on a second, do I actually have control over this? Can I actually influence that thing or that problem or that situation? One of the best high-performance habits that we can develop is the ability to, once we recognize that something is not under our control or our influence, to let it go and redirect our focus onto the things that we do actually control, which is, I know we've talked about before, a hilariously small list when you actually zero in on it, right? (laughs) We don't control the weather, we don't control the judges, we don't control the other horses. We actually only influence our horses. We don't fully control them, right? We influence them, but we don't fully control them. Um, We don't control spectators, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So it's worth thinking about, okay, well, what do we control? So when we really get down to it, we control our own position on the horse. We control what we focus on, which is huge. We control or we always have a choice about how we react to what's happening around us. And sometimes it doesn't feel like we control that because we've fallen into habits of reacting so quickly to something that we miss the choice. We kind of skip over the fact that we've chosen to react that way. We just do. It's a habit. So we can take that control over our our reactions by practicing, recognizing when we're reacting to something and choosing to change that reaction. So that's just what you're doing there now. When you recognize that you're getting stressed out about the rider and the other rider and the warm-up ring, you go, oh, I'm reacting to that. Okay, I'm going to choose 
to let that go. I'm going to choose to say stop. I'm going to choose to redirect my focus. So that is a choice that we can take, that we execute over and over and over again when we're on horse and actually in all aspects of our lives. Um, and, and it helps us then to take back um, control and stop living in a, a, um, and competing in a very reactive way and instead start living and competing in a very intentional way where we're doing what we plan to do. So it's a, it's a question that I come back to again and again and again, and I find it endlessly fascinating because to this day, I constantly find myself worrying about things that actually I don't have any control over. So I have to remind myself of this all the time. But what I've noticed in my own life and in my own writing is that with practice, I've gotten much better at letting go quickly of the things that I can't control. And so they're not following around and, and they're not following me around and impacting me. And they impact me much less often at shows and in the, and in the competitive ring um, because of that practice. Okay, so one thing that's really cool to do is to think about how do I want to feel at a show? So let's have a think about this. In a perfect world, how would you like to feel at a show? What would be the sort of the emotions that might describe that? Calm. Calm? Well, actually, the first thing I was going to say was confident. You kind of want to turn yeah, yeah, yeah. up feeling confident, don't you? But, and again, that's not something you really have control over, is it? Well, I would, I would beg to differ. I think confident, there's steps that you can take that increase confidence and you control over whether or not you take those steps. So if we think about confidence as being the result of certain actions, thoughts, and uh, feelings... And we know that we have a choice about the types of thoughts and actions that we take that then influence our feelings. Then we can say, yeah, I can choose to do the things that help me feel confident. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So mm -hmm. confident, calm, calm, collected, collected, all the C's, and confident. Confident, yeah. Cool. Okay. So. Without getting too much into the neuroscience, because this can be, this is a long twirly path we could run down, but really if we, in a nutshell, what we now know about the brain is that we can put ourselves in certain states of feeling by accessing memories of times that we felt that way in the past. So what this means is if our goal is to feel confident, calm, and collected, that's actually a great one, three C words, <laughs> confident, calm, and collected at a show, one really amazing technique is to actually think about what are times in my life where I have felt that way? When have I felt confident, calm, and collected? When, when did that happen? So if we can build up even just three to five examples of times where we can actually really remember feeling that way. And maybe it's just one of them. Maybe we have one time where we can remember feeling really calm. Maybe we have one time where we can remember feeling really confident and saying for, for that sense of collective. Um, what we can do is actually very quickly by closing our eyes and putting ourselves back in that memory, we can access that same feeling in the present moment. 
So one thing that I, when I first learned this, that I started doing is for whatever reason, I have this incredibly clear memory. I was probably 15 years old and I was working with um, a young horse, probably for the first time where I sort of had this young horse really as like my own project. And I remember um, he was quite fresh and stressed. And I remember working with him one day in the ring and he was trotting around in a bit of a frenzy. And, and whatever I did, I figured out how to settle him. And he, his energy just went and he just settled and he just fell into this beautiful floaty trot. And I have this really clear memory of just being of like my, my energy just sinking and, and just feeling so connected to him and just feeling completely present and calm and just really joyful, like so happy that I, that I've done it, that I settled myself and him. So for me, that's an incredibly poignant memory. And I can go back to that and I can, I can literally, if I think about that, um, center myself really, really quickly. So that's a really useful memory for me because what that allows me to do is I can grab that feeling back when I need it, when I'm in a really stressed state or, or, um, or at a show environment or any time that I'm under pressure. So have a think. I'm sure that you guys have memories like that. And if they don't immediately come to you, don't worry, they will. Just let it kind of percolate in your mind. But the idea is to intentionally build a little playlist that you can play in your head that allows you to, to reconnect to those feelings based off the time that you actually felt them. How's that feeling? Does that make sense? Do you guys have any questions about that? No, that makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. So these are some different examples of how we might want to feel at a show, right? Um, calm, energized, joyful, focused, strong. And so again, it's just about thinking, how do I want to feel and how can I find an example? Um, along the theme of playlists, different music has a really powerful impact on how we feel and how we're thinking. So if you guys can think of certain songs that make you feel the way that you want to feel at a show, it can also be incredibly useful to play that music intentionally on the way to the barn, on the way to the show, maybe play it when you're, when you're mucking out in the morning. Um, and again, there's a ton of research that shows that that music, it just helps prime our brain and helps us reaccess those feelings. Um, which allows us to, to just find them more quickly. I actually have a competition playlist on my phone. <laughs> Amazing. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Gets me in the zone. Yes. <laughs> I like Katy Perry Roll. That's the one I put on. Okay. So now we need to chat about our inner critic. So this is the voice that we all have that loves to pipe up when things goes wrong. Things go wrong. This is chimp. Um, what's that? This is the chimp. The chimp. Exactly. She has many names. <laughs> she is our inner perfectionist, our inner critic. It's the chimp. It's that nasty part of our brain. Um, there's someone I know who calls it the itty bitty shitty committee. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you want to call it, we all have this voice. Okay. And, and it is the cause of much suffering <laughs> in our lives, especially around competition. So what we want is, first of all, we want an awareness of when this voice is speaking to us so that we can start to take action against this voice. 
Um, and alongside that awareness comes the realization that that voice is not necessarily us. It's a part of our brain, yes, coming from our brain, yes, but it's not us and it's not, definitely not, uh, speaking the truth. So what we want is to be able to challenge this voice with, uh, with an alternative statement or an alternative focus, okay? So there's two ways to do this. One is by deciding on positive performance cues, and the other is by deciding on some performance statements. So whatever you go for, you could have both. Um, you want to have these really well learned so that they're easy to kind of replace the dialogue of the inner critic with. So it's almost like you hear your inner, so let's say you come out of the show and you catch yourself thinking, oh God, that center line was terrible, or, or that halt, that halt was terrible, his hind legs went like far out to the right, disaster. And you catch yourself and go, oh no, you know, there she is criticizing me. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to delete that and I'm going to input this positive, uh, sorry, my words are falling apart here guys, I apologize. I'm going to input this, either the performance statement or I'm going to focus on the positive performance cues. Okay. So what are these things? So positive performance cues are things that you've decided on that you're going to look for that are telling you that you're doing a good job. And so these could be things like, right, so my positive performance cues today are going to be that he stayed relaxed um, that we managed to keep our bend through the corners, um, and, uh, we maintained a good rhythm throughout. Okay. And again, that's what we're focusing on. And that's what we're going to keep our, um, return our focus to whenever that inner voice starts, uh, jabbering away. Nope. Not going to listen to you. I'm just going to focus on these positive performance cues. Um, so those would be cues that, we, that are based on our horse. Another one, so there's three that I really like to apply to us as riders. So number one, did I show up and give it my all? If we can answer yes to that question, we know we're doing a good job. Two, did I manage my mistakes well? Again, if we can answer yes to that question, then we know we're doing pretty good. And number three, did I have some high-performance fun? And it's really important to remember that high-performance fun is different from your average fun. Your average fun is hanging out on a patio with your girlfriends, having a big glass of rosé, giggling about, you know, crazy husbands or whatever. <laughs> so that's fun, but that's a very different type of fun from galloping around a cross-country course <laughs> on a giant animal, um, you know, uh, up in, you know, over major obstacles. So they're both fun, but very different types of fun. So high performance fun is all about setting yourself big challenges and accomplishing them about pushing through the suffering to the other side where you can say, yeah, I did that. I worked hard. I accomplished that. I figured it out. I showed up. I managed my mistakes. Well, I took one small baby step forward in my riding career. My horse got that little bit better today. It's about relishing the sense of accomplishment and progress, even if it's really small um, and just really living. So those are my favorite three uh, performance cues for us personally as, as riders. Do we show up and give it our all? Uh, did we manage our mistakes well? And did we find some high performance fun along the way? And if we answer yes to all three of those, we know we're doing pretty darn good. Um, 
performance statements then are things that we plan in advance that are going to remind us of what to focus on. And those can be a little bit more specific to person to person, depending on what it is we want to be working on. So again, falling back to those earlier examples, Nat, you might have a specific statement that reminds you to take your focus back, to, to focus um, not on the riders in the warmer frame, but on whatever things you can control about your horse uh, to improve that warm up. Um, Hannah, you could have something that reminds you, say your husband is there again in the future, that reminds you to actually let go, put up an invisible bubble around you. Your husband's outside the bubble. <laughs> you and your horse are inside the bubble. And you know, you're just going to maintain your focus. You're going to let him do his thing outside the bubble. Um, and then for yourself, Karen, it might be statements that in case that stress and anxiety creeps back in in the future, to think about, right, what's a statement that I could craft for myself that would anchor me back to that feeling of calm and sureness about, no, actually, I do trust myself. I do trust my horse. We've got this. So have a little think, right, about what that statement could be for you. And I like having them... Uh, I like creating one or two and then memorizing them and almost turning them into a little personal mantra, something you say to yourself all the time. And the power in that is that if we say to ourselves all the time in training, it almost starts to become, excuse me, automatic then when we get to the show. So what, what would be an example of a, a performance statement? Yeah, so... I can and I will. I can and I will. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> exactly, right? Because all that, that you know, your inner uh, voice is saying, that inner critic is saying, you can't do this. Um, and it's amazing how when we, when we let that inner critic start to get on a roll, they start firing all sorts of stuff at us. You're not good enough for this. You're not ready for this. You failed last time. You fell off last time. What do you think you're doing? You're, look at all these other riders. Like, she goes on and on and on. She never runs out of things to say. <laughs> So I love that one, Karen. I can and I will. It's like, you can just picture yourself. I always picture, I call her my inner perfectionist for me. So I always picture her as kind of being this like, this little like rider with like a bit of a resting bitch face. It's just like, bit sassy. Right? And I'm like, yeah, I can and I will. Watch me. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. And mine might, just, mine might just be um, itty bitty shitty committee can shut up. <laughs> Okay. Right. <laughs> I down anybody shitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect, right? And I do think like short and to the point is good, right? We want to have something, it's almost like a little like a little we want to create our own saying here at least, right? Well, I'm not creating me, I'm gonna steal that one. I quite like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one that's really handy that I find myself using, I think I stole it from someone else too, is is where uh, where focus goes, energy flows. I just remind, it's like a little a rhyme, but it, I say it to myself all the time to remind myself that what I'm focusing on is going to impact um, my performance. And it's going to actually impact my reality in a really interesting way. Because I know now, because I've lived this, that if I trot down the center line thinking, don't spook at the judge's box, don't spook at the judge's box, don't spook at the judge's box, you can bet my horse is going to spook at the freaking <laughs> judge's box, right? Instead, if I crouch down the focus line thinking, seat, connection, bend, you know, breathe, smile, like have a good car. Yeah, exactly. So where focus goes, energy flows. So any kind of little statement like that, um, that 
that resonates with you, that makes you go, yeah, or oh, yeah, um, is really, really powerful. Yeah. Cool. And the reason that this is so effective is that it helps us to conquer, conquer I really can't speak tonight. <laughs> it helps us to conquer self-doubt. So self-doubt creeps in with a change in focus. It creeps in when we switch our focus from riding down the central line and thinking, okay, bend, connection, breathe. And when it switches to, oh God, that's a really weird judge's box. You know, she's got a spook. That's where the self-doubt creeps in. It all starts with a change in focus. And when the focus switches, what happens then is the inner critic pipes up and it starts asking us all sorts of disempowering questions and statements. Do you think I can, do you really think you can do this? Do you really think you're good enough? Um, remember what happened last time? Oh God, look over there. There's a little yappy dog. Remember she spooked last time with the yappy dog. Oh God, are those clouds in the distance? She hates the rain. And all these things start spiraling and we start in that negative, we start to fall down that negative thought whirlpool. So this is why focus is so incredibly important and why the tool of a performance statement or positive performance cues helps us to get control back over our focus um, and with really positive consequences. Okay, so quick summary. We want, oh, I think these are gonna come up in a weird order, apologies. Okay, I'll just pull them all up because there we go. Okay, so number one, we wanna notice our patterns and instead of being discouraged by them, we wanna go, ah, excellent, I've discovered another pattern Fantastic. Now I have the opportunity to either reinforce it if it's a positive pattern or interrupt it if it's a negative pattern. We want to practice this competition mindset in all aspects of our life. And there's an opportunity to do it in all aspects of our life because we're challenged by things constantly in our lives. Um, and we, so with this opportunity to challenge ourselves and go, right, is that really permanent or is it temporary? Is that really personal to me or is it just a situation that I'm experiencing? Um, is that negative or is there something constructive I can take from it? So the more we practice that in all aspects of our life, the more naturally we find that mindset at the competition. We want to remember to be on the offensive. We need to make a plan. We need to visualize that plan. We need to get there and execute that plan to the best of our ability and remember to ride for and focus on what we want to happen. Constantly be checking in around what is actually under my control and my influence. And ask yourself that question. When you catch yourself worrying and stressing, it's a great way to just kind of get that perspective back and remind yourself about where you need to put your focus. Um, work on controlling that inner critic. It's a long-term, uh, it's a long-term job <laughs> getting her under control, um, but it's totally possible. And uh, it, it becomes easier and easier and more natural to practice to so challenge that and recognize that inner voice and go, oh no, that's not true. And to remember that self-doubt is conquered by conquering focus because where we control our focus and we control our focus and keep it on the, the constructive, positive things that we want to happen, we, bar we barricade ourselves and we don't allow self-doubt to creep in. And if it does creep in, remember that it's completely under our control to switch back and banish it by just changing our focus again. So those are six things to think about. Um, what do you guys think? Any questions or uh -huh. we're recording okay all up and running now that's okay we're back we're back in the room <laughs> um so thanks for coming along guys uh today i just wanted to talk share a little bit about what i was talking with my friend she's a i always get it wrong psychiatrist 
That's the right one. I always call them uh, physiotherapists, and she doesn't like that because they're two very different uh, professions. <laughs> so she's a psychiatrist. Um, and I was just talking to her about kind of you guys and the journey you guys are on, how it's it's a lot more than a diet, and we're trying to create health uh, lifestyle habits and also kind of make you a bit more self-aware just to kind of control emotions and things like that as well. Um, and a really important one point she brought up was about how when we do something good when we kind of achieve something do something good something that makes us happy something that makes us proud we kind of sit with that feeling and then it kind of goes away the feeling doesn't stay there very long you're not happy and proud of yourself for very long but when you do something that's not so good something that doesn't make you proud so it makes you a little bit low maybe you didn't do something you said you were going to do that feeling just kind of lingers around a lot longer you tend to beat yourself up more about the things you didn't do and the the low things than you would kind of celebrate the good things and the good things that have happened and the things you said you were going to do. Like the feeling, you all tend to sit a lot longer in them low emotions than you do in them the high emotions. And it's just, it's it's not just you. It's not it's not just me. It's not just my friend. It's just human nature. We just, we always look for kind of a negative things, something to, which is good because it's something to improve on. But then actually you end up sat in this state of beating yourself up for a lot longer than you should. So I just kind of wanted to raise that point to you guys. That one next time when you say you're going to do a workout maybe. You say you're going to eat well and you maybe don't. You are part, you are going to sit in that feeling a little bit longer. But then flip it up. So when you do do something you're going to say you're going to do. You do all your workouts that week. You do all your water. You text a friend, you speak to a friend, you do something that lifts you up. Just sitting that feeling a little bit longer and kind of enjoy it a little bit more and just acknowledge it a little bit more. Because the thing is, now I've said it, you're going to be a little bit more aware of it. So next time you do something that kind of brings you a bit down, you start beating yourself up about, oh, I didn't do a workout, so I said I'm going to do them. Um, I didn't clean my tack, I said I was going to clean my tack. Once you've kind of, now I've raised this point, you're going to be a little bit more aware of it. And then what I want you to do is once you kind of feel a little bit, uh, and you keep saying it to yourself, just kind of go, am I done beating myself up about this now? Can we move on now? Like, yeah, didn't do what I said I was going to do. Yeah, okay, feel a bit crap. Okay, let's move on. And try and sit in the emotions a lot less because actually, if you do one thing, you feel low. If you do another thing, you feel low. You do another thing, you feel low. And it kind of acts like a little spiral that starts and that's kind of what we want to nip in the bud. Um, as with everything, if we kind of nip it in the bud early, it's not a problem. It's kind of how you react after. So, yeah, guys, just be a little bit more self-aware. And actually, when you do something you're proud of, just sit in that emotion a bit more. Skip around the house telling people you've got third in your prelim or you've uh, won your novice or you've just done your workouts when you said you're going to do your workouts. Just kind of sit in that emotion a bit more. Uh, so that's all I wanted to share today. I thought that was a really interesting point. Um, and it's not just me, does it? clearly it's a human thing because <laughs> i know i do it um and i know some of you guys do it as well so just wanted to share that and any thought any feedback on that guys did you kind of understand what i'm saying about how you do sit there the negative emotions always last a little bit longer have i froze again yeah they do definitely yeah definitely i i um I went out to my first ever <laughs> affiliated event. In fact, the first time I've taken my horse out to anything, um, any show yesterday, and she was fantastic. She was amazing. 
Um, I was the absolute idiot, um, in my view. <laughs> um, I, uh, I went, I, I was so nervous in the first test that, uh, that I knew the test, I listened to, listening to her, I was, I was just, I was completely zoned out and I was in another, another space somewhere else. And I, I did a, a sat nav error <laughs> and got completely confused because I was so nervous. Um, and you know, I beat myself up about that for the two hours until the next test. And then I got the result. I was like, oh, I've got a rosette. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, and I didn't get qualifying points, but uh, result having gone wrong. Um, and then I did the second test, and I actually smiled the whole way through, <laughs> and I felt I felt fantastic. So, wasn't. Yeah, so you kind of beat yourself up for about two hours, yeah. feeling rubbish about the first so one. And I wasn't. She, she totally exceeded my expectations. Totally ex- exceeded the expectations. So. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely shattered. <laughs> yeah, so she kind of she did she did a lot more than you was expecting. So you should have been feeling really high, but actually, because you did one thing wrong, yeah. you spent two hours beating yourself up, and that's and what it's exactly, about, isn't it? You kind of. I was, I was just gutted when I came out. I was like, "Oh my god, how stupid!" But I got a higher mark for that one than the test that I smiled through. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. It was a different judge. It was a different arena, it was a different judge, but it was still a prelim test. Yeah. Um, I got uh, 57 point blah for the first one and 55 points up for the second one. Oh, okay, well, and there you go. For third place. I was gobsmacked. Good, well, that's, anyway. a good that's a good first start, isn't uh, it? Perfect. Yeah, excited for all the uh, stuff going forward. So, um, and also I'm now not as nervous about how she will be when I go places because I know she'll be fine. Yeah, and you've done it. So next just, time you can just concentrate on the test yeah. a bit more and stuff. Yeah, just need to work on the loading of the trailer. <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes to get her in when we went <laughs> in the morning. Oh. I was up at 4.15 yesterday morning. Um, and uh, I, I didn't get home till half past two yesterday o'clock in the afternoon. I was just like, Ugh, this yeah. morning. <laughs> Long days, aren't so, they? Yeah. Good, that's yeah, good. Definitely. Like, is this supposed to be fun? Yeah. <laughs> They don't call it stressage for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. That's a really good achievement you, for your first you. one. Good. Um, Karen, have you got any wins you'd like to share with us from last week? Uh, well, I went up the road to the... I froze again. Um, I, I was quite naughty over the weekend and I didn't feel guilty at all. Good. <laughs> you didn't you didn't sit in them negative emotions too long. I've contract today, I've done my exercises. <laughs> I didn't beat 
myself up a pouch at all. I thought, I will enjoy this triple chocolate brownie. <laughs> and um, make the most... I have to say, I felt really sick afterwards. Um, and um, alcohol is... Like, no, I didn't, didn't really bother too much with alcohol, to be honest. So, um, yeah, life is good and the riding's going well and had a really really good lesson um and we're not tanking off in canter as much as we used to and i'm actually <laughs> bringing able to bring them back and controlling and scoring the corner good good um so yeah perfect so everything's well, progressing well, well. You ate a brownie, didn't feel bad about it. You didn't have any negative emotions around that brownie. <laughs> no, none. Good, good. <laughs> Hannah, have you got a, a winny win from uh, last week from the weekend you want to share? <laughs> um, so I went to London yesterday. Um, I went to London oh, I did see that post. Oh, I did mean to get to that. <laughs> Uh, drank more in last yesterday than I've probably drunk in a year. <laughs> and how do you feel today? It was a lovely day, but um, I was rough. <laughs> it was really, really rough. It was afternoon drinking. I still felt rough this morning. I'm too old to drink now. Um, but I did make myself go, well, I thought I need to go for a swim. And the only slot was six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Because uh, it's summer holidays, so there's a lot, a lot of swimming going on. So I did drag my ass out of bed at half five and between six. I did a PB. Imagine that, huh? Now, I did a twenty-eight minute. Peter, uh, what? Um, Need to drink more often. Yeah, but you were fueled by alcohol. <laughs> nice you dragged yourself out of bed early and you didn't kind of admit kind of use that as an excuse that's really really good um whether i could drag myself out of bed at six o'clock with a hangover mm, don't think i could i don't do hangovers no more Pushing it out. <laughs> Good. Oh, Vicky's joined us. Vicky, have you got any wins Hello. from last week you would like to share? No, I'm <laughs> There's always wins, Vicky. Always a win. <laughs> No. 
Proper run, not for a chat, a chinwag. And your kids are alive, so yeah, really good week. Not for, not for a ch- like, I couldn't have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my internet's really annoying me. It keeps freezing. Okay, good. So everyone's had a bit of a... Guys, guys I'm going to have to go and uh, get my dinner. I'm not eating yet, I'm starving. Okay, <laughs> see you later. Thanks for coming along, ma'am. Bye. Bye. Is that better now? My internet's really bugging me today. Uh, but that's good. So we've all had a positive uh, win of some sort, whether it's just your kids are alive or you've had a guilt-free brownie or you've swam your PB whilst hungover. Um, so going forward, have we got any challenges, anything coming up that you kind of uh, worried about, want to nip in the bud? No, all happy. Not really, nothing that I can think of. Okay, cool. Uh, and the next question I have for you guys was yoga. If I got it's equi yoga, so four horse riders, would you guys be interested in a session of that? Yes. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I love yoga. Do love you? Do you know I love a good stretch? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we can, I'll I'll look at getting uh, the lady. I've already kind of told her she, I wanted her, but I wanted to double check with you guys first. <laughs> um, so we can get a yoga instructor in probably once a month just to kind of top up the stretches. Um, hopefully she does something a little bit different to what I do. Otherwise, what's the point? But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> hopefully she'll come and do something a bit different. Um, and yeah, it's just a short, sweet one just to want to kind of Vicky, you missed it a little bit, uh, but you might be able to catch up on the podcast just to start about how human nature kind of um, means we sit in negative emotions a lot longer than we'd sit in positive emotions. Like when we're feeling a bit lower about something, we tend to stay there a lot longer than when we're feeling a lot happy about something. Um, So you'll be able to catch up on the start. Oh, there's a cat. Hello. (laughs) He's just so naughty. He wants to be part of the show, bless him. Um, so if you guys are happy, I am going to cut it short there because I'm, I'm kind of having to strain to hear what you guys are saying because it's like a robot and it's fuzzing. Is it fuzzing for you guys or is it just what I can't hear? So you've all... I'll see you've all froze again. <laughs> this must be how the poor um, Zumba instructor must have felt. And we're all going, I can't see you. And she's just dancing away. <laughs> Let's do a question. Maybe laugh. You were like really doing it slow. And then, <laughs> and then it went really, really fast. <laughs> See, now you've frozen my screen like this. You're going to do me freeze-free. Yeah. Everyone. But the Zumba was a lot better last week. I'm not 
You've not? Feedback at all. Or me. No. Oh. Well, she said she posted them because I asked her to email them and she couldn't fax them. So I gave them your address and told her to post them to you. Like, get a mailer pigeon and post them. Um. Oh. I'll chase her up and see, but I suppose she put a stamp on them. Okay, I'll, I'll sort that out. Hopefully. Yeah, I'll sort that out. Don't worry. I'll get them to you. <laughs> Somehow. Can um can I double check I've got the right address for you then? <laughs> oh, I froze again. I didn't get anything either. Not you, so Karen. You received anything either? Oh. Hmm. Okay. I will. I will sort it out, and I'll just send them, send you some more. <laughs> or maybe I can get an online one and kind of send you the code. Yeah, we'll sort, I'll sort it, I'll sort it, leave it with me, with my crappy internet. Um, but if you guys are happy, I'm super happy. We have our stretch on Thursday, and then next week is the Zumba. Okay, perfect guys. I'm sorry that this hasn't really been the best, because I can't really hear you. <laughs> You've all froze again. Okay, I'm going to say bye to myself. <laughs> I'm going to say bye to myself, and hopefully it comes through at your end. <laughs> See you later, guys. Thank bye. you. Bye. Bye. Oh. Well, I'm sorry for everyone listening to the podcast. That was a shockingly awful episode because my internet just would not work and I couldn't really hear a word anyone was saying. Um, so I hopefully you got the start, which was the main part. Okay, collecting ring on the 23rd of August is go. Um, so I was, you know, the other day I put a posting about procrastination. Pretty much everyone said that they something they suffer with. So I have been reading this book called Eat That Frog. Uh, you, may, you might have heard of it. It's meant to solve procrastination. I've heard of that one. It's meant to solve procrastination. Only... Sorry? Oh, I said you only read books that have animals. I know, I do. <laughs> I just look at the pictures, really. <laughs> oh, that and the chimp. The chimp and the eat the frog, yeah. It's all I do. I'm just looking at pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway the, the idea of saying eat that frog is meant to be if you eat a frog first thing in the morning that's going to be the hardest thing you're going to have to do all day so actually get the hardest thing done first at the start of the day and then the rest of the day will be nice and easy is kind of the theory around the book um, so it comes back down to lists and planning and making sure you're kind of prioritizing what is the most important thing of the day and not just the most important thing, but what's the one that's going to give you the biggest ROI? What's that, what task is going to give you the biggest ROI for that day? Get it done first, and then your day is going to get a lot easier. And also, it's, it kind of helps remove any anxiety. Um, anxiety is a word I think gets thrown around quite a lot. But you know when you're kind of sat there and you're feeling a little bit guilty and kind of you can't relax properly because you know there's something you've got to do. If you just go and do it, it kind of removes all of that out of it. 
But then that is easier said than done. So this is where the eat the frog comes in. You get that thing that is going to bring you the most anxiety, the most stress, the most guilt, if you know you don't get it done that day, and do it first. And there's a little section here, I've brought the book with me just so I can read from it, um, about <laughs> consider the consequences of your actions, okay? And it's about comparing short-term actions for long-term consequences. Um, so humans are great at doing tasks that give us instant gratification, short-term, bring us short-term consequences, things that are going to make us feel good in the moment, but might not necessarily help us in the long-term. We don't really get anything long-term out of it. Um, and I've underlined a couple of phrases in the book that I thought was really, really helpful. Um, so the time is going to pass anyway. The only question is how you use it and where you are going to end up at the end of the weeks and months that pass. And where you end up is largely a matter of the amount of consideration you give to the likely consequences of your actions in the short term. So basically, the short term actions are the ones that at the time don't really seem like you're doing much. But then, then short term actions over time stack and stack and stack. And if you look back in a month's time at where you've done all the short term actions you've done, it will lead you to a very different place if them short-term actions were kind of in line with your long-term okay. goal, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And there's another law here. The law of forced efficiency says, there is never enough time to do everything, but there is always enough time to do the most important thing. And I think that is very, very true. And it comes down to, again, start of the week, start of the day, prioritising your tasks so that the, the, biggest, the biggest task that might bring you stress will give you the greatest ROI, will give you the greatest lift, whatever it may be, needs to be done first. Um, so that comes down to whether it's you stress about not getting your workouts done, get them done first thing in the morning if you can, or your food prep, or something for work, ride your horse, whatever it may be, the biggest task that you're going to get the most from, do it at the start of the day to just remove the kind of anxiety and stress about it. Um, and I just wanted to share my book about eating frogs, really. <laughs> this, this is good, actually, because um, it's just occurred to me, I'm, I'm struggling to do the workouts, because by the time I get home at night, I, you know, I'm going back out to ride, or, or I've already ridden, and I've had my dinner, and it's already half seven. I've only just finished having my dinner before I came on the call here. Um... So I work at home on a Tuesday and a Thursday, so I can get I get up and do my workouts in the morning once I've got rid of everybody out of the house. Yeah. And normally what I do is I walk the dogs, so I can walk the dogs first, do my quick workout because they don't take long, do they? No, you've I mean, really, you've really got minutes, upper really. body and core really, so it is fifteen minutes, yeah, isn't it? Fifteen yeah. twenty minutes. Yeah. So. Um, I, so yeah, I'm going to do that. That's, that's my goal for this week. So Perfect. Thanks. Perfect. Uh, eat eat that frog. That the weekend as well. Good. So there's yeah, four I'm days. the frog tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to be eating the frog. start doing them. I've not started doing them yet. Again, so, um, I just seem to. It's work's been really, really busy, and I just seem tired at night. So, um, but yeah, I didn't have a really good week last week. I had too much pain. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. It's fine. It's all fine. It's fine. I can cope. <laughs>
Are you telling me or are you telling yourself? <laughs> yeah, so eat that. And Mel's going to eat the frog on yourself. Tuesday, Thursday, <laughs> and the weekend yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. <clears throat> I wish they were grown up and left home. <laughs> oh, don't. Karen's just been saying she wished hers hasn't left home yet. <laughs> Oh, oh no, geez. disaster. Mind you, he's left the country, so, um, yeah. Oh, God. That's extreme. <laughs> she probably got rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, so that, that led into the goal. So your goal this week is to make sure Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to eat the frog nice and early and get them done. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your task for this week, Sorted. Karen? Um, maybe I should try that as well then. Try and do my exercises before I have my breakfast. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It's worth a try. Instead, because I tend to do them later on. Give it a go and, and see. motivation isn't as high to do them later on, is it? Yeah. I did. I did do them one morning last week. I, I did because um, the weather wasn't that great. This usually the time I sort of get up, have my coffee to keep get me going. Then I usually have my old brand. Then I take the dog out for a walk, and then by that time it's getting to lunch time. So <laughs> have my lunch, and then I've just eaten again, so I've got to wait until later so, <laughs> before I <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> and so it goes on. Yeah. And so it goes on. That's why it's normally later. <laughs> but maybe I should just get up earlier and do my exercise before my breakfast. Give it a go this week and see how you get on. Yeah. And you're also going to read a book this week. I am. About a frog. About a frog, yeah. <laughs> Or a chimp. <laughs> or any other animal. <laughs> I wonder what my next one can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Mel, have you got any wins you'd like to share? Me? Um, oh, what have I done this week? Well, it's only Monday, oh. so last week counts as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what, what did I do last week? I can't actually remember what I did last week. You know that? Um, I'm still buzzing from my dressage. Oh, good. Um, so I'm still really motivated for um, training and stuff, the horse, um, and quite still dedicated to getting the best out of her. Um, and I had a lesson on what day was it? Friday. Um, I had two different instructors. Um, so I've got my 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 sort of main instructor I have every couple of weeks, and the other guy just comes and does clinics at the at the yard. Okay. So I slot into those as well, uh, just sort of. We half hour lessons. Um, so 
I've also booked my next competition. So before my lesson last week with my main instructor, I chose the competition, gave her the tests that I was doing, and she she approved it. And then that night I just booked it. I didn't faff about it any longer. I just did it. So um, not having to travel as far next time. It's only half an hour instead of an hour. I would have to get up at quarter past four in the morning the last time. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be better. Good. Down, down to Ayrshire for where I live for a nine o'clock test. Thanks very much. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to Snack. All right, okay. Scottish National Equestrian Centre. Yeah, it's nice there. Yeah, yeah. So, that's indoors. So. But the other one about the dressage that I went to was that it was an all-out all outdoor arena. And I had never really ridden much in an outdoor arena. <laughs> Oh, I see, you thought it was new. Outdoors much at all, so that was new as well for her and me. So, yeah, it was nice. It was good. I enjoyed it. Good. So it does sound like you're still on quite a bit of a high from that one. And actually, you've got, you're still quite motivated yeah. and Ryan's Sorry, going quite well. the dogs. You two, get out. Get out. Get out. Sorry, <laughs> talking about the dogs. They're fighting. <laughs> fighting over a toy. Not then, it's the kids, honestly. Demented. Pass the wine. Oh, dear. Okay, guys. So, are we happy with what you've got to do this week? You're both going to actually do your workouts in the mornings. Yeah, good. Perfect. Tomorrow morning, I'll be there. Good. Uh, Can you pop a little check-in in the group if you get it done? Yes. I will comment that I've eaten the frog. Good. <laughs> like, what are they on about? <laughs> well, they're lost. They've missed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an in-joke. <laughs> yeah, it's an inside one. <laughs> uh, okay, guys, if you guys are happy, I'm super happy. And you know where I am if you need me during the week as well. Oh, actually, I nearly forgot. I've got a yoga instructor uh, yoga for riders. Oh, great. She's going to come in once a month. Um, uh, I think the 20... Oh, I can't, remember what, I can't remember what day it was, actually. I'm not going to say in case I'm wrong, but she's going to come in in the next couple of weeks and we're going to have, like, a monthly session with her. Oh, perfect. Great. So we'll get... I, our... I, I did yoga. I did yoga. I started doing yoga before lockdown and then it stopped, obviously. And I've never... I don't think the girl's got the venue back again that she had before. I really enjoyed it. It's well, it's really look, good. Look into that. It'll kind of marry together the fitness training we're doing, the psychology mm. side from Annika, and like the breathing and bringing it all together with the yoga. So it'll mm. all go hand in hand. So um, that should be really good. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to it. I normally get bored yes. doing yoga, so I'm hoping it's not going to be too boring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Karen. Place. Is there anything tomorrow? Uh, Zumba tomorrow. Okay. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't have it last week, did we? Don't think so. No, I don't think we did. Uh, so it's t- I'm pretty sure it's tomorrow. Uh, I'll put a link up tonight if it is um so zumba tomorrow and then we've got the yoga to look forward to at some point is that, is that quite high high 
Not really. Uh, well, it, it kind of it's kind of what you make it. I think. Are you yeah. thinking about your Achilles? Yes, it's, I mean, I'm managing to walk the dogs and I'm managing to ride, but some days it gets really sore. To be honest, um, I think if you're... I get like a, a little bump at, at my Achilles. Um, so, yeah, it's strange. It's a strange one. I think if you're riding, uh, and it's not hurting you riding, I think you'll be okay. Um, there is some stuff where she like stomps her feet and jumps, but you... You just don't have to do that bit. Do the arm bit instead. No, yeah, you just, yeah, uh -huh, uh. Alright, I'll make of that bash then. Okay. If I'm not riding, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow night yet. Okay. What time? Depends how my working day goes, if I can go early or not. Okay. <laughs> well, possibly see you tomorrow. Um, and yeah. Okay. Thanks for coming along, guys. You know where I am if, I'm, if you need me. Okay, okay. Perfect. Bye, Bye. Bye. Bye.